Well, good morning to you. It's good, so good to have you back. A lot of you were out uh, either helping somebody get up trees or cleaning up your own. How many of you did a little of both? A lot, a lot of you did. And so I wanted to say thank you for, especially in our community last week where we had uh, kind of one of those storms you don't hopefully get again. Uh, and so thank you for being out and being in our community and helping not only yourselves but others. Uh, you know, that's, that's just what we do. Uh, we are in a, we've been walking through about a five-week series on this idea of being rooted in Christ. And I want to say again, thank you to Corey, um, who, who taught last week, and I'll be this week, and then Brad's going to finish out our series next Sunday. But we have been looking at different characters in the Bible who were rooted in Christ, and we look, we, we've been pr- primarily camping in the Old Testament, looking at, uh, we've, we started, we looked at Moses, uh, we looked at, at Abraham. Um, we looked at a servant girl. Uh, we've looked at a wide range of people along the ways. And, and as I was kind of working through this, I, I write outlines and I think about them and pray over them. And a few weeks ago, God was like, you know, we've been looking at people who, despite character flaws, God still used. And that was really important because it shows us that God develops our roots and strengthens us. And all that is really awesome. And then it, God was like, I want you to kind of shift this a little bit for today. Because I think certainly God grows your roots through circumstances. Can't we agree? Um, wh- whatever it is, God, he, he's going to ask you to step up, to trust, to be a part of something. And I've given you this yellow sheet that's in your, your, your information you've got that might be this one statement might be really important for you to get. And it's, it's this. You'll see it on the screen. It says, God deepens our roots through the disobedience of others. Now, let's, just let that soak in for just a second. God deepens your spiritual roots through the disobedience of others. Does that sound like fun? No. Doesn't sound like fun. But we're going to look at two guys in the Old Testament that they were, that happened to them. And I was thinking about that statement. Um, and I was thinking about just in my own journey. I've, I've served a number of churches. And when I, when I left here as the youth pastor, I went up to Topeka to serve a church. And the church went through a kind of a crazy transition because I was there one month. And the pastor did, had me in his office the next month and said he was leaving, and which was crazy. And we hired another guy. And that, that was... It started off well, and then it started to, to digress, and the church started to, uh, it just, it was not going well. And I remember that I was really struggling with, man, God, did I just make a colossal mistake? The, the church was in kind of a hurricane season uh, under his care, and it was just not a good season. It was a hard season for everybody, not just for him, but for the whole church. And and I remember that God was like, you know, you're, I got you here for a reason. And I, and I looked back on that, and I'll tell you this out of with great integrity, that I grew more during that hard season than probably any church I ever served. It was hard. There were a lot of casualties. And I remember that after a, a season, I had a hard conversation with the pastor, and I realized that if I couldn't support him and his direction, I needed to leave. And let me just tell you, when you don't want to leave and you love where you're at and you feel, it was hard. It was one of the hardest decisions. And I'll tell you this, 
in all of my years of ministry, that was the only time in my entire time in, in this journey of being a pastor that I actually looked at other jobs. That's the only time. That's the only time in all the years I've been doing this that I thought, you know, I wonder if UPS is hiring. <laughs> I did. I really did. And God was like, ah, no. No. This is part of the deepening part. It's not all the... the the, uh, you know this because you've been with me for several years now that the deepening of our spiritual roots rarely happens when life is rosy. Am I right? It's true. Now, we would like it to be that way, but rarely is it that way. And typically, our roots grow best through the turmoil, the unexpected, the things that just come our way. Just do, and that's where do you really find out, do you really trust God or do you trust yourself? So if you got your Bibles, go to Joshua 1, but park it there because I'm going to tell you a backstory to that here in just a moment. So I was thinking through the question I gave you. God deepens your roots through the disobedience of others. And I was thinking through, and you could probably add to my list. And so here were some of the things that I came up with in relation to that statement. I came up with this, that he deepens your roots, and one of those things might be patience. He's developing your patience because of the disobedience of somebody else. If you have a wayward child, patience. If your spouse chooses to leave you, if your boss does something horrific and you lose your job or the company starts to decline, patience with a family member, patience with somebody at church. How about this? How about God will reveal through the disobedience of others how self-righteous you might be? How self-righteous you might be thinking, well, God, I would never do that. I, you know, self-righteousness would certainly be, maybe God wants to grow your grace because of what somebody else, what somebody else's sin. How about how we see him? You know, God, this isn't fair. My life, I've been obedient. I've been the good son, going back to Luke 15. I've been the one that stayed at home. I wasn't wayward. I was doing all the things you told me to do. And you start to see God with like, God, what are you giving me? Because of my faithfulness, you owe me for this, this life I'm living. The other challenge for us is when we look at somebody who, who their sin is causing you pain, is they are undone just like us. They're not there yet. We're not there yet either. And this idea that, that this is going to require some, some daily dependence upon God. It's going to require you to say, okay, God, man, this is, this is so not fair, God, that I was obedient, but they were disobedient, and the outflow of that is affecting me. And so I give you this thought as we kind of continue this. It says, our faith isn't, we really don't know how our faith is doing until, until it's been tested some, okay? You can tell me your faith is rock solid until you get that cancer report. Or until a friendship that you had since high school is fractured. Or when your spouse says, I'm done. Or when your child walks out. Or when your job comes to an end. Or when your health is not what you thought it would be or hoped it would be in your season of life. And so I'm going to be reading out of numbers because a uh, little backstory: The Israelites have come out of Egypt. God has delivered them. They've, they're making their way. He has, he has stepped to the plate and hit a home run every time they needed him to. Okay? And now it's time. How many of you, when, uh, how many of you started off with a bicycle that had... Uh, um, thank you, training wheels. I never did. I just started riding. No, I'm kidding. I didn't. How many of you had training wheels? 
How many of you, that when that mom and dad told you that those are coming off? Tell me, tell me feelings. Audience participation time. What? No. <laughs> what? Scared? What else? Memory's not that long. Oh, come on, Rob. I remember um, we were starting to move my daughter towards that season of taking the training rules off. And I remember something she said to me, uh, just like, she looked at me like dad, like, you know, did one of these things. You're going to hold on to the seat, aren't you? And I was like, uh, how fast you pedal, honey? You know, <laughs> but there's that moment where the training wheels have to come off because the next thing, obviously there's a purpose to it. You want to learn how to balance and you're not dependent on that. Well, here is the same deal. The Israelites have come to a point where it's like, okay, the training wheels, it's time to come off. There's, a, there, there's something I've given you and it's time to go. And so let's read. I'm going to be reading out of Numbers 13. I'm going to kind of weave my way through Numbers 13 to get to Joshua. So just, just listen to the story and kind of see if you can kind of picture yourself there. It says, this, it says, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the people of Israel. Now you need to remember that little passage right there. Has God already given it to him? Yes. It's a promise. He said, this is going to be yours. Okay. It says, from each tribe of the fathers, you shall send a man, every chief among them. So Moses sent them to the wilderness of Panaran, and according to the command of the Lord and all of them who were heads of the people of Israel. Now, I, I, I highlighted heads because these were leaders out of each of the tribes, and this is significant, because these would be the people that would represent their tribe as they go into the promised land to see what was going on. So they're selected to go. And so you drop down to verses uh, 17 through 20. And I want you to catch this. Moses sent them out to the land of Canaan and said to them, go up into the Negev and go up to the hill city and see what the land is and whether the people who dwell in it are weak or strong or weak, whether they are few or many, and whether the land that they dwell in is good is good or bad, and whether the cities that they, they dwell in are camps or strongholds, and whether the land is rich or poor, or whether they are trees or it is not. Be of good courage and bring some of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the season of the first ripe grapes. So he's asking the guys to go and to get a pretty good report of what this looks like. Okay? Now, here's an interesting thing. I was thinking about this this morning. God said, I gave it to you, but why did he send them in to begin with? If this is yours, if this is yours, then why, why do all of this? And I was thinking about this this morning. You may agree or disagree with me, but I, I think that the reason that God sent them in was to say, it's everything that I've been telling you that it is. It's everything that I've told you that it is. And so you can see for yourself, because he's trying to build their confidence in him, that he is a trustworthy God. Because you have to, one of the things we have to, we have to remind ourselves is, is they were under 400 years of idol worship. And that has affected them to some degree. Would you agree? It certainly has infiltrated them, maybe not fully, but a lot. And so he is trying to rebuild their foundation in him, not in other things and not in themselves. So he wants them to go in and go, it's exactly like God said it would be. So we drop down to verse 25. 
It says, at the end of 40 days, they returned from spying out the land. Now, there were 12 of them. And they went out and they were gone for 40 days. And it says, and they came to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Panama at Kadesh. And they brought the word to them and to all the congregation. And they showed them the fruit of the land. And they told them, we came to the land in which you told us. It flows with milk and honey and its fruit. And here is its fruit. Is it everything that God said it would be? It is. It does do that. Ah. Oh. Now, here's, here's, here's what I was thinking through. You have 12 guys, and they've been walking. And at, 10 of them at some point go, we can't do this. We can't go in there. You got two of them that say we can. You got 10 that say we can't. At what point during that 40 days did their, did their roots weaken? Did they go, I don't know that God really can. i do not really sure God can... God, I mean, it, it is flowing with milk and honey. It has great fruit. But, uh, let me just tell you, whenever there's a but or this word, however, it's not going to, that means there's a, there's, a, there's a part two to this. Yes, God, it is everything you say it is. However, verse 28, however, the people who dwell in the land are strong and the cities are fortified and are very large. And besides, we saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of Megib. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the hill country. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the Jordan. Now they're painting not a great picture. Now here's what's important. You need to think about this. These were men who were influencers. If they had given a, if they had said all of that and said, but we certainly can do this, do you think they would have stayed in the wilderness for 40 more years? No. They would have been right on in. They would have gone right on in. So something happened to those 10 guys that their foundation was shaken when they saw, they, they saw all the good stuff, but they kept looking at all of this and going, how are we going to do this? Those, those places are fortified. And let me just tell you, when your faith is shaken, when you are doubting, when you are in, in that mode, you forget that God can do anything. That God is not even, oh man, God, even though you split that sea in half, I'm not really sure you can take care of this. Really? Come on now. And he says, this, he paints, a, they paint a pretty gloomy picture can you imagine the dialogue that those 12 had over that 40-day period and that Joshua and Caleb know that they're going to get up in a meeting and they're going to be the only two. Because look at what it says in verse 30. It says, but Caleb quieted the people before Moses. Now, it's interesting because he quieted them because were they starting to murmur? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He quieted the people before Moses said, let us go at once and occupy it for we are, we are well able to overcome it. How is he able to say this? Because his foundation is in Christ, not in people. And he looked at those people and he said, guys, we can do this. He says, look at that verse. It says, let us go at once and occupy it for we are well able to overcome it. He says, it's not me. He says, I just know who can do this. It's God. God has demonstrated himself consistently. 
His roots, his foundation was so rooted in Christ that he said, I know. I know that we're going to have to fight for this land. I know that we're going to have to, they're just not going to give it to us. But the Lord is with us and we'll be able to do this. His confidence was brimming, okay? And look at what happens. When the men who had gone up with him said this, we are not able to go up against these people for they are stronger than we are. So they brought the people of Israel a bad report of the land and they, that they had spied out saying, the land through which we have gone to spy out is a land that devours its inhabitants. And the people that they saw are in our great height and they saw the Nephilim. Nephilim, I think I said the right, the sons of Anak who came from Nephilim. And we seem to ourselves like grasshoppers, and so we seem to them. It's funny, when you take God out of the equation, everything we face looks gigantic. Everything. Everything, when God is taken out of the equation, when we don't see, when we only see it, and we don't think that how all, then any problem looks overwhelming. Anything that we're facing seems like there's just no way. And so these guys get up and they say, there's no way. We look like grasshoppers to them. We're, we're, we're just little, we're just, there's no way. We're too small. And you're forgetting who God is. When your roots are deepening the way that they should, you will find that even the most difficult things you will face, you think, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but God can I don't know where, how we're going to get here, but God can. And, and you, you, you lean in on God because he's the one that strengthens your roots. Your roots are going to grow best in that moment. In that moment. But if all you see is that you look like a grasshopper to your problems, those problems will overwhelm you. Uh, there's a friend of Beth and I's, um, he lost his daughter last year to a tragic car accident. She was a passenger. Car ran a red light, plowed into her side, and killed her instantly. And I saw him this past week, and I, I said, um, I said, man, you look great. I said, are you, are you losing weight? He said, I was. And, and, and it was intentional. He said, but he said, after my daughter was killed, I just can't eat. I, I just, I don't have the desire to eat, the will to eat. I, and he's a Christian man. And I said, I said, don't let this steal from you any more than it already has. And see, when you face something overwhelming, and, and it, whether it's pain or grief or unexpected things, where you lean in on is really crucial because your roots get deepened through that moment, through those seasons God wants to deepen and heal and, and bring his presence into your life so that your roots hold you grounded. And I've been praying for this guy ever since because I'm concerned that, that the grief of the loss of his daughter is going to take his life. Because he just, he's eating less. And less. He's, I think he's lost about 80 pounds is what he said. And he was not a big man to begin with. And but grief and a lot of other things can affect you. And disobedience of others can affect you. Now, can you imagine how Joshua and Caleb feel at this moment? They were faithful. They believed God that he could. 
And now, because of the other's disobedience, they're going to have to wait 40 years. 40 years. 40 years to go in because the others gave a bad report. And if you know the story, God says, great, all right, you're going to circle the wilderness and basically everybody, we're going to go through a generation and Joshua and Caleb are the only ones going in. But they had to wait 40 years. Would you be a little frustrated? Yeah, I see. Yeah, I would be frustrated. Can, can you think that your self-righteousness might just go up just a little bit? I was the only one. Joshua and Caleb and I were the only ones that were spiritual in this whole crew. Can you imagine some, the grace that you'd have to dispense on that group of people? Can you see where resentment might creep in? Anger? And so God is growing them as well. It's not wasted as much as we would think it might be, but it's not. And I, I love this. I found this quote, and I don't know who said it, but I think it's worth quoting. It says, someone has defined a committee as a group of people who individually can do nothing and collect, collectively decide nothing can be done. And you had 10 guys that said, nothing can be done. We can't go. We can't do this. We can't. And so uh, with that in mind, I, I'm going to write this up here. When you're, I'm going to see if I can write big enough so you can see this. Did I spell that right? No. I did have it right. Yeah, I did. I'm not a great speller. I'm not a good writer either, so just bear with me. Rebellion. Doubt plus unbelief equals rebellion. When you think about when you're at that crisis moment in your life, when you stand before a situation, unbelief comes in and that plus, a doubt plus unbelief, and you're thinking, God, nope, we can't do this. I'm not going to take that step. I'm not going to trust. I'm not going to lean in on you on this moment. And you had Joshua and Caleb going, oh man, we are so close. We're so close. And so God was, let me just think, think about this for a second. Joshua and Caleb were in a position for the next 40 years to instill confidence, to instill in others that yes, God can. Would you, do you think that was possible? It was certainly possible that he was helping them deal with these things, that they were struggling with unbelief. They were struggling with doubt. They were struggling with, is God really the God that we want him to be? And he was like, you got, you got to do this. Because here's something I've learned, is that unbelief challenges the character of God. Unbelief challenges the character of God. When we don't think God can, we're thinking, well, God's not trustworthy. You're, 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 you're questioning the essence of who God is and who he wants to be in our lives. When we don't think he can work through a situation, when we don't think, how, God, are you going to do this? God is saying, you're questioning who I am. I love what uh, Paul David Tripp says. It says, you have no reason to fear when you answer God's call. You have every reason to be afraid when you put your life in your own hands. And the Israelites had put their life in their own hands. Joshua and Caleb were paying the price of others' disobedience for the next 40 years. But I, I promise you, God was not wasting that season. My three and a half years working at that church was not wasted. I look back on that season, 
And I, man, it, it, it helped me to get focused. I was, I put my nose to the ground. I mean, I was focused on student ministry. We saw God do amazing things during that really difficult season. And I'll, I look back on that and I think it was the hardest season I've ever gone through, but it was also the best season. And I recognized then that God was deepening my roots, that I could, I could punt and say, God, I'm going to go look for another job. And God's like, no, you're not. You're going to do, you're going to grow during this time. You're going to grow. If you're taking notes, you can add this to that next layer. How we see challenges depends on which lens we look through, God's or ours. How you see challenges, because Joshua and Caleb were looking through the lens of God. God's going, yes, I've given you this property. I've given you this, this promised land. And they remembered his promises. Now, did he fill in all the details? No. But he would have and was going to, and he would eventually. But he was saying, look at this, now go, trust, lean in on me, I've got it for you. If I said I was going to get, because see, when God said he's going to give it to you, it's already yours, it's just do you trust him through all the details? Because he wasn't painting the whole picture, he was saying, he was taking you along the way, baby steps. The Israelites needed baby steps. And Joshua and Caleb were saying, God can, let's go. They were looking at it through the lens of God. The other 10 and then the rest of the Israelite nation were looking at it through themselves. And then we see that. And so let's finish reading that out. And, it's, and you keep reading and you see that they, they were upset with that. They were upset and they were wanting to get, they were like wanting to stone these guys. We don't, they need to stop talking. They need to stop talking. And so how we see our challenges is really crucial. Joshua and Caleb saw it through the lens of God. Everybody else was seeing it through the lens of man. We can't because those guys are just too formidable. And something else that Joshua and Caleb and for us to remember, even in the unbelief of others, is God's resume is pretty impressive. His resume is really impressive. Up till this point, his resume, can you imagine... They go, um, okay, God, can I see your resume? And you go, uh, the plagues, I've done this, uh, the part in the Red Sea, the fire. Uh, okay, you're hired. Joshua and Caleb remembered everything that had transpired. See, fear and all those other things that creep in cause us to forget. Cause us to forget who God is, the character of God, that he is, if he said this, we can do this. And his resume was impressive. And Joshua and Caleb remembered that. They knew who God was and they, they leaned in on him. You remember that idea, when you lean in on God, that means you take the weight off yourself and you lean on God. That means you gotta trust him for this. We have a thing at Super Summer called, uh, where we ask a student, and we've, we've done it before, where they, they stand like this and you have people kind of behind and they put their arms and they lock up. And we ask them just to fall back without, and their arms have to be like this and you don't try to brace yourself and you just go back. And some of you say, well, that's pretty easy to do. Let me just tell you, until you're actually doing it, because it's dependent that everybody behind you is going to catch you. And we have another thing called leap of faith and the, they climb up on a pole and you're, you're tethered. We have a new one now called Pinnacle, which is even, it's about the height of that light right there. And you have a, a gal, and regardless of your size, the way she's got it through a pole, she goes, jump. And you're like, hmm. You know, that's a long ways. Let me just give you some hints. 35 feet can do some damage to a body. And 
and, and you've, got this, you've got this belayer, and she's like going, just, just jump. And you're standing on top of a telephone pole that has a, has a wood plate on it that's 12 foot around. And that pole kind of, yeah, some of you are going, oh, vertigo's kicking in. And it's requiring that you trust. It's funny what, what up there you go, I have to trust that the rope is strong enough. And that I'm hooked up correctly. Really important, by the way. Um, and that the person down there knows what they're doing. And that, and it's funny because we've I've had some of the biggest boys go up that thing. Oh, I climb the thing, mommy. You know, they're up there, and it's a totally different thing. I've seen strong men get up there, and they're white knuckling that. They they hugging that tree better than anything I've ever seen. They're squeezing some sap out of that thing, and. And you got this, you got this belayer going, turn around. We've had kids freeze and a lot of things over the years. And, and it's funny because the belayer reminds me of who God is in our life. He's, he's going, look at me. Don't listen to anybody outside the noise. And here's exactly what I want you to do. And then jump. And I remember watching this kid. He, he, it was a hard climb for him just to get up there. And he finally gets up on the pole. And everybody's trying to give him advice about what to do. And the Blair, she just goes, shh, 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 tells everybody to be quiet. And she, and she looks up at the kid and she goes, hey. And her name was Madison. And, and Madison goes, Madison, I want you to listen to me. Or excuse me, Madison is the Blair. She goes, tells the kid. And she gives the kid a soothing instructions. And she, and she makes serious eye contact with the kid. Because he's had a hard time. And, and finally he does everything that she says. And he jumps. And the rope caught him. And it worked. The harness held him. And the ground didn't come really fast. And he comes down. And, and I remember I was unharnessing him. And he was just like, just shaking. And you know what it was cool though? He goes, I'm so glad I didn't climb off that pole. And I trusted all of those things that I needed to trust. And here, what God is saying to the Israelites despite their disobedience, is, is, uh, trust me, I'm trustworthy. I've demonstrated it time and time again. And I'm going to do it again because if I've given you the promised lamb, I'm going to show you how you're going to get it. I'll show you how to acquire it. And so in the disobedience of other people's lives, it's, it's it is so crucial that you lean in on God and say, man, God, this is unfair. I was faithful. All those, whatever it is, and say, God, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to trust you in this moment. And so we get to Joshua, Joshua 1, and you see this now because time has elapsed. They're about to go. And Joshua, God is giving Joshua this kind of like, all right, you're about to lead these people. Moses has, has died. He didn't get to go in either. And he says, all right, listen to me. And I love this. One of my favorite passages in all the scripture it says, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead, and therefore arise and go over to the Jordan, and you and all the people in the land. I'm giving them the people of Israel. This is, he said the same thing 40 years ago. I'm giving you this property. I'm giving it to you. Every place the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given it to you just as I promised to Moses. 
from the wilderness and from to Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river of Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Listen to those words that God is telling Joshua. Now, if, if God told you that, would you think, I, I think I could handle this situation a little better? God, I think I, think I can get through this because God just said, nothing will stand against you. I'm with you and you're going to be able to do this. He says, I'll be with you. And I love what he says at the end of that. He says, I will not leave you or forsake you. I'm not going to leave you high and dry. I'll be with you. I'll be with you. And so then you get to the, the, the important part of that verse. Verse 6. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause these people to inherit. He is talking to Joshua at this moment, and he's telling him to be strong and courageous because the outflow of that will be contagious to the people around him. Just like it was when the ten were being knuckleheads, here he's saying, you will lead these people if you lead them through being strong and courageous. It has a contagious effect on people. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause these people to inherit the land I swore to their fathers to give them. Only, he's just reiterating again, only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to the law that, Mo that Moses, my servant, commanded you. He says, be strong and courageous. He goes, and here's how. Marinate on God's word. Dig into it. Hold on tight to it. He says, look at, and he, God continues, do not turn from the left or to the right that you may have good success in whatever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. From then you will make your, your, your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do you think he's trying to make a point? He's trying to really drive home the boat. Be strong and courageous because these people are prone to be fickle. These people are woe is me. They, they've demonstrated that. He is saying be strong and courageous because it has a cause. It has a contagious effect on people. And when, regardless of how people respond, regardless of how people live, is that even in their rebellion, God is calling us to be strong and courageous because it has a contagious effect on people. And he's telling Joshua, you're going to need to do this. And he's telling him, be strong and courageous, not in himself, but in me. And he tells him that. Meditate on my word. Dig into my word. Hold on to my word. Marinate on my word. He's telling him, spend time with me. Then it's going to go well. It's not going to go well if you're going to try to do this on your own. And he says, he goes, have I not commanded you to be strong and courageous? Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed for the Lord your God the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Do you see how he's really building up Joshua? 40 years, Joshua's probably going, oh, man, really? This is so unfair, God. This is so unfair. And Joshua commanded the officers of the people, pass through the midst of the camp and command the people, prepare your provisions for within three days you are to pass over the Jordan to take the possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving to you to possess. 
He is telling people, he, I, you wonder if he gave those guys a little pep talk. It's like, look, when you go tell the people, tell them with confidence. Tell them with confidence. Tell them with confidence that God says we're going to go do this and it's time. And when we face doubt and unbelief, you certainly can rebel or you certainly, as he said to Joshua, go. Go. Now, let me help you out here. Did he give Joshua a blueprint for how this was going to take place? Yes or no? No. He just said, go. And see, when you deepen your roots, you don't ask God for the whole itinerary. You just take the step of trusting him to the next step and the next step and the next step and the next step and so on. And really what he was saying is dig into my word, hold on to it, learn who I am and who I want to be in your life. And I love this because if your final, final note taking is this, know God's word. And here's this important. You can know God's word, but sometimes we don't always do it. A lot of people can know God's word, but he was telling Joshua, clearly, do what it says. Know who I am. Trust me. Lean in on me. And even if somebody else is being, their sin is causing you pain and suffering, lean in on me at this season of life. Know God's word and do what it says. And so they cross over and they start taking systematically. If you read that story, they start. And they, those people don't willingly give up those things. But God was with them and they slowly started taking over all of that. And I love this because at the end of Joshua's life, in Joshua 23, 6, it says this. His final words to the people. He says, be very strong to keep and do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses turning aside from it, neither to the right and or to the left. He says, Joshua's final words is, guys, stay focused on God. Stay focused on what he has for you. Just like when Madison was helping this kid jump off the pinnacle, she asked him to look at him or look at her and then just follow her instructions. And the same thing, God was saying, Regardless of the th circumstances around us, stay focused on me. I promise you that one of the things that Caleb and Joshua learned during that hard season was they needed to stay focused on God and not on the circumstances. And that's hard. It's hard. And regardless of how those people responded, God was teaching them, are you still going to stay focused on me? Or are you going to throw a pity party? Are you going to be self-righteous? Are you going to dispense grace? Are you going to be trustworthy? Are you going to be... Are you going to point people to Christ or are you going to throw rocks at them? Because what he told Joshua is go, and he says, they'll follow you now. Because they went through a hard season, and they went. And when you think about the sin of somebody else's in your life, think about Joshua and Caleb, and think about they had to wait 40 years for something that they were, they were already obedient to going and doing. And God grew them during that season immensely. God was teaching them all the things I talked about with grace and perseverance and how is self-righteous seeping in and all that kind of stuff. And for us this morning, the thing that we have to figure out is in those moments when somebody's other, somebody else's sin is causing us a lot of pain and suffering, where do you go? Do you trust God? Do you lean in on Him? 
Or do you look at that person and go, man, if you just weren't, then all this wouldn't be happening. That may be true, but you're in it. And where you lean is really important. Joshua and Caleb were leaning through God all the way through, despite the fact that the reports happened. They still, because how do we know this? Because Joshua led them into the promised land. That his roots grew. He matured. He knew what it was like to trust God and know that God was trustworthy because he stayed. Because Paul, or God was telling him very clearly, don't look at the left, don't look at the right. And here's why. Because if we look at the situations like they did back 40 years ago, they don't see God. They see people. They see things that are insurmountable. And this morning, that's our question, is, is keeping our eyes focused on God, even in the unbelief that we all have to navigate, is real. And the only way you're going to get through that is to keep yourself focused on the things of God. Sure, you've got to solve problems, and I understand that. But in those moments of saying, God, I don't know how, but you do. God, I'm going to anchor in on you. I'm going to trust you. Because you are, you are it. You're strong enough. And through those circumstances, God's deepening our roots. Always has been, always will be. Let's pray. God, I think about how often my faith has been affected by others' decisions or the lack thereof. And I thank you, God, that that is not wasted by you that it requires us to uh, do some self-examination of our soul? Is there a self-righteousness that starts to well up? Is there a lack of grace on our part? Is there a lack of patience because somebody else just doesn't seem to ever get it right? Is there a bitterness that seeps in because of others' decisions? And I ask God that you would reveal those to us this morning. Because like Joshua and Caleb, they would certainly be, there would certainly be a, a place for them to grow. And I thank you, God, for men who stood up and said, this is what we should do because of who you are. And I pray that we don't let our voices be silenced by criticisms. I pray, God, that we would hold true to your word even when it's contrary to our culture. I pray, God, that we would lean in on you when we're not sure how. How we're going to take our next step. I pray, God, for people in this room this morning that marriages may be failing, children may be wayward, health may not be what we thought it would be. Others' decisions are affecting us personally, financially, spiritually, emotionally, and so forth. I pray, God, that those in this room this morning would know your peace. They would know your character, that you care, that you are a God who promises to be with us. And in those moments, God, when it seems insurmountable, I pray that you would whisper into our ears, you are with us, and that we would hear that this morning. God, I pray that you would deepen our roots and we would allow you that as we journey with you. It's in your name that I pray. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand. We treat